Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome uh, to Ridgeview Church. Again, we're so glad that you're here uh, to worship with us. My name's Alex. I'm the, the pastor here. And today we are wrapping up a series called Life Hacks that we started a few weeks ago. And so this is the conclusion. And uh, what is a life hack? Well, you, you find them all over the internet. These are things that maybe make menial tasks or normal tasks a little bit more efficient, things that we can do that help create uh, shortcuts. And so uh, we're not actually spending the whole message Googling that together. Um, we're actually looking at life hacks that really make a, a difference. But at the beginning of each week, since the title is Life Hacks, we're, we're looking at a few. These are little tricks that could maybe help your life. And so I wanted to share, this one is, I think, my favorite. So you take like a cupcake, you know, pan, and you flip it over, and then you put like cookie dough on the outside, and you bake it, and then it makes a little cookie bowl. I mean, just, just in case, like, ice cream's not enough calories, just make a bowl out of cookies, and then there you go. You're welcome. Uh, this one is more like if you, if you have rocks leading up to your driveway, you can use a Rust-Oleum Glow paint, and uh, during the day, it'll kind of warm up, and then at night, boom. Some people get lights, but if you just want to use spray paint and go crazy... You can do that. You're glad you came today. Uh, last, this actually is really helpful. How to remove permanent marker from everything. I mean, I don't know about everything, but if it's on your clothes, you could use hand sanitizer. Walls, use toothpaste. <laughs> I don't know. That just seems like once you have blue streak, it may work, but depends on the color. Wood, use rubbing alcohol. Uh, actually, the magic erasers, that's life hack. Buy some of those. So there you go. Um, this can help if you get Sharpie on things. If you want a crazy dessert, cookie dough bowl. If you want to light the rocks, use some spray paint. Does that change your life, though? Some of you are like, well, I've been wanting to change my landscape. So it could. But not really life-changing. Uh, life hacks that you can find on the Internet can maybe make life interesting or efficient, but, but not life-changing. So in this series, we're actually looking at what are life hacks that actually help us get down the path of life uh, to find success. And to actually find these life hacks, you need to learn a keyword called wisdom. And wisdom is something that we've been spending the last few weeks on looking at how do you, does wisdom get into your life. And it's not something that you can order. It's not something you could snap your fingers and you get it actually comes from having a certain approach or a vantage point, a way that as I approach life in a certain way, wisdom is either going to get into my life or it won't. And so we've been looking in the scriptures at what are the key attitudes that allow wisdom uh, to flow in. And so I just want to kind of go through where we've been so far. So life hack number one, we looked at fear of the Lord. And fear of the Lord is I'm going to take God seriously enough to actually do what he says. There's a seriousness to him and his approach. Like, he's God. His vantage point is different than mine. That leads to life hack number two, which is trust in the Lord. Since he has a vantage point that's different than mine, I'm actually going to trust his directions because he can see things that I can't see because he's God. That's trust in the Lord. Uh, a couple weeks ago, we looked at the third life hack, which is humility. Actually, wisdom gets in your life where you realize that you are not the center of the universe and there's actually things that you can do to kind of bow, and you'll learn. And that leads to the fourth life hack, which is teachability. 
And humility and teachability go hand in hand. But it's just this idea, like, God has a lot that he wants to teach me, but I have to be willing to be taught. And I actually can learn from others, but again, I've got to allow others to give input into my life. And so those are the four, fear of the Lord, trust in the Lord, humility, teachability. And the fifth life hack, which we're going to talk about today, is patience. How many of you, when you hear that word, are like, oh, patience is one of those things that it sounds like a great idea, but it's one of the biggest tests of life. Patience is hard. But what you find is patience is actually a key to real lasting success. And patience is actually something that, that God has woven into the fabric of life. In fact, God is patient with us. And he's been patient with humans since the beginning when he created them again and again and again. And so it's out of God's patience that we can learn patience. And so we're going to kind of focus on this today. And uh, today's message is called uh, Standing in Line, because I think nothing quite has the picture of patience rather than that. This idea of you just, you just have to stand in line. And here's a, a verse that kind of God gave to me a, about a month ago. The end of a matter is better than its beginning, and patience is better than pride. And that's a perspective in life. The modern-day proverb of that is hindsight is what? 2020. There's a sense in which we get through things in life where we look back and it makes sense. On the front end of things, though, all we see are the holes, the detours, and the disconnects. But it's actually when you go through things, when you've exhibited patience, you can look back and you can see, oh, those were not disjointed paths. They were just over a hill that I couldn't see on the other side. That's how life is. Actually, the end, there's a lot to be learned, but you can only get to the end. You can only learn as you have uh, patience. And so we're going to talk today about this idea of standing in line and three lines that we stand in where, where patience actually can, can grow into our life. But how, how many of you hate waiting in line? Okay. Just to make this a little interactive, to the person next to you, share with them what's the worst line that you you don't want to wait in. Go ahead. Just share it with them. Don't be shy. Okay, what, what are some? Yell them out. I, I didn't hear anything. Note taken. What else? The DMV. Oh, we got some amens on that one. Any others? Starbucks. Okay. What was it? Disneyland. Yeah, we, we, we shared this on social media. Like, what's the worst line? And somebody made the point, it's terrible to pay to get in an amusement park and then just wait in line. It's like, let's just pay to stand crowded with a group of people. There's all sorts of lines. Uh, Costco gas. I'm a little sensitive to that because I ran out of gas. I, I shared that a few weeks ago or months ago. In line, waiting for gas. That tests your patience. Traffic. Southern California, we know all about waiting in line just in our car. But waiting in lines is a complete test of patience. But there's always these opportunities in lines where we think of how we can get ahead. Now, this is usually what happens to me. If I have the family, I'm in the carpool lane. And what's the slowest lane? Whichever one I'm in. Right? So I get out of the carpool, then I go to the fast, 
all of a sudden the carpool is now just, just, I would have been there. Then I'm like, well, this, I got to get in the second lane. And then it, it seems like every line I'm in is the line that stops. Now, how many of you, and you don't have to admit this, but how many of you have ever cut in line to get ahead? How many of you want to chicken choke somebody if they cut in front of you? Yeah, we will we'll admit that. Cutting is like one of the worst things, especially if you're waiting in line, or it's like the same with traffic where everyone is merging, but then you always have those people that just, they're just, they just take that shoulder. And some of you are frustrated because they're cutting, and then some of you are like frustrated because you didn't do it, right? And there's just these lines, and we want to get ahead, and that's how life is. It's a test of patience. But there's actually three lines that we are in that there are no cuts. There are no shortcuts. There are no hacks. These are the lines that you have to stay in. And if you stay in, God will actually teach you as you wait. If you get out of the line, you just get back in it, and you're now at the back, and you have to relearn the lessons all over again. And so I want us to kind of focus on these three things and just look at what the Scriptures say about how we can learn from them. Okay, so here's the three lines, and there's no cuts. The first is the results line, the results line. Uh, If you want to get healthy and you want to exercise, how many of you just like wake up one day and at the end of the day you think like, wow, like I transformed, like I'm a different person, like same day. You may think that, but is that real? Sometimes I deceive myself like a month of eating bad and then one day of eating good, I feel like it should like reverse a month. That's not how it happens. It takes time. Uh, Job, if you have results that you need at your job, it takes time. Projects can take months. Tasks that you have take time after time. Uh, If you want to raise kids in a way that's actually going to be a blessing to them and to others, it takes time. If you want to have a good marriage, it takes time. There's certain results in life that are not immediate, and you can't speed it up. It just is making the right decision after the right decision after the right decision and just waiting to see what happens. The real things that matter in life, those results, you have to wait a long time. You need a great deal of patience. I want to walk through a a scripture uh, in Ecclesiastes. It's actually six verses in Ecclesiastes 11. And since this series is all about wisdom, we've been reading a lot in Proverbs and a lot in Ecclesiastes because these are two of the books of like the wisdom books of the Bible. And Ecclesiastes is written by Solomon, who was the wisest man that ever lived. He was a man that pleased God, and God said, ask for anything, and I will give it to you. And he asked for wisdom, and God gave it to him, and he learned a lot about life. He knew a lot about wisdom because of what God granted him. And in the scriptures, we have a lot of his recordings of the things that he observed, the things that he witnessed, the things that he experienced. In the book of Ecclesiastes, there's just all sorts of lessons about life. And so what Solomon does is he writes these pictures and these, these like analogies, and, and you're supposed to kind of think about them and ponder on them, and sometimes it doesn't make sense. And so I want to read these six verses and kind of unpack these for what we can learn related to the results line. Let's uh, read the whole thing, and then I'll kind of break it verse by verse. So verses one and two, cast your bread upon the waters for you will find it after many days. Give a portion to seven or even to eight for you know not what disaster may happen on earth. Verse three, 
Keep going there. If the clouds are full of rain, they empty themselves on the earth. And if a tree falls to the south or to the north, in the place where the tree falls, there it will lie. He who observes the wind will not sow, and he who regards the clouds will not reap. And then verse 5. As you do not know the way the Spirit comes to the bones and the womb of a woman with child, so you do not know the work of God who makes everything. In the morning sow your seed, and at evening withhold not your hand, for you do not know which will prosper, this or that, or whether both alike will be good. You ever read stuff like that and you're like, what? Sometimes that happens when you read the Bible. But in the wisdom literature specifically, there's a lot of things that are not exactly at the face value. You need to take a little bit of time, like kind of like poetry, where you need to read it, maybe read it again, think about it. And then as you do that, lights kind of begin to turn on. And so that's actually how it is for this. So let's just kind of go back uh, to verse 1 through 2. Uh, Cast your bread upon the waters. It's not speaking of like feeding the ducks, okay? It, it's not speaking about that. It's actually talking about how much effort it takes to get results and to see results in life. So if we were to all take a bread, like a loaf of bread to the ocean and begin casting out the bread, uh, we have no idea what bread is gonna return to us. Uh, The water is gonna destroy some, seagulls could get some, it's gonna drift to a whole nother section. But then there might be some because of the the tide, because of the waves that they, it could come back. And so what Solomon is saying is that's how life is. You do a lot of things And a lot of things you're just casting out and you have no idea what the result will be. So he's like, pay attention to that. There's just a lot of things that we do where we're just casting it out. And then he goes on in verse two, give a portion to seven or even to eight. And the portion is, the idea is here is if you, in your mind, you set out with a goal that you have, something that you want to see happen with your kids, with your marriage, with your finances, with your job, whatever it is, you have an idea in mind. This needs to happen, a result. What Solomon is saying is, if you think that result needs to happen in a certain time frame, this is like the person that's throwing it four times and then will quit. Well, I threw it four times, nothing happened. What Solomon is saying is, if you're quitting after the four, you're never going to see the result. So you got to be willing to cast it seven times, cast it eight times, and then maybe after many days, it will return. That's patience in the results line. If you have an idea in your head and a goal of when how it's going to take, the work that you're going to have to do, if it doesn't happen, you will give up. What Solomon is saying is if you give up, the result that you hoped for will never come. And if you take the approach that it's way harder than I want it to be, it's way harder than it should be, and you never throw the bread out in the water, will any bread ever come back? No. You have to be willing to cast it out. That's actually how life is. So what Solomon is doing, he's beginning to showing this picture of patience and faith. You don't know how it's going to end up. You don't know what's going to happen. None of us know the future. What Solomon is saying is you have to be willing to still put in the work. Because God is actually the one in charge of the results. And then he goes on in verse 3 and 4. If the clouds are full of rain, they empty themselves on the earth. And then he talks about the tree where it's going to fall. And he's kind of having some fun here. He's saying, if you see a cloud and it's full of rain and it's coming to the earth, you're like, okay, that's a rain cloud. It's raining. Brilliant observation. What would really be helpful is if you knew when it was going to rain so you could plant your crops so they will grow in that spot. But do we know where it will rain? No. 
And then he goes on just to kind of connect that further. So pretend you're wanting to build a house by a tree. If you know that tree is going to fall to the south of the house, you want to make sure you're building it to the north so it doesn't fall in the house or vice versa. But do you know where the tree will fall? No. So Solomon's saying, even if you have your best prediction, weather is unpredictable, results, direction, it's unpredictable. You can give your best guess, but you don't know what's going to happen. And then he goes on in verse 4, he observes the wind will not sow, and he who regards the clouds will not reap. Here specifically, he's talking about the unknown and fear. When unknown is in our life and we get into fear, that's the opposite of how patience grows. Because patience is, I don't know what's going to happen. I do not know how it's going to turn out. But I believe God is there and he's working. And I can trust in him. But if all you're doing is looking at the clouds and all you're experiencing is those Fontana winds, would you ever plant anything here? No. But things can grow. And that's how life is. There's so much that we don't know. But if we get into fear, patience begins to get uprooted in our life and we don't get the results that God wants to bring. And then he goes on in verse 5. The Spirit comes. You sow your seed. You do your part and, and then you wait. That's the ultimate picture. That's kind of the fear of the Lord and trust in the Lord working together with patience. There's things that, that we need to do that we have no idea how it's going to turn out, but we have to trust that God is the one in charge. We stay in the results line knowing that God will come through because he said he would. Now, if you think about life and the things that really matter to you, what's really concern of you in your life? If you were to think, like, what am I really concerned about? For the most part, Aren't they the things that really matter that you don't have any control over how they're going to turn out? If you're a parent, do you care deeply about your kids? Yep. Do you ever wonder, what are they going to be like as an 18-year-old? Does that freak you out? What will they be like as a 30-year-old, as a 50-year-old? Do you know? What you could do is you can look at hindsight your own life. That could be encouraging or discouraging. (laughs) But again, all you can do is look back. But as a parent, you don't know. The same with your job. You want to work hard. You want to do what you need to do. You want to do what your boss says. You want to be a good coworker. But you don't know if that work will be noticed, rewarded. You don't know if you'll get the promotion, more pay. You have no idea. But when you begin to follow Jesus and you recognize that he's involved in life and he actually leads you forward, in the results lines, you can wait because, again, God, God's in charge. He will, he will come through. And so the things that really matter, it takes a tremendous amount of time. For you to change, if you've been doing things a certain way for 10 years, 15 years, 20 years, things that you want to change, things that you wish were different about yourself, can you change that in a week? No. But with God's help and his power, you can change. But it will take time, and it will take a great deal of patience. If you want to help somebody grow, you want to help somebody kind of get ahead in their life, you want to counsel them, you want to give advice to them, you want to love them, can you help someone overnight? 
No. It can take years to help somebody in a way that really blesses them. It's the same with training your kids. It's the same with building a marriage. All of these things take years and years and years. And you don't know what the result is going to be. And what Solomon is saying is, the one who is at work, God, in his spirit, he will make the things happen that he wants to happen. Our role is to be faithful to what God has told us to do. So if you're a Christian, a Christ follower, he's actually commanded you to live a certain way. And our role as a church is together to live that way together in community so people can see that as Christ followers, we're different. But there's ways where it feels like you're, there aren't shortcuts. It feels like we're the long way around. It's the, where's the results? It's so hard and it's so easy to give up. But what Psalm is saying is, is hang in there. You keep throwing that bread. You keep doing what God has called you to do. Because it will take time, but in the end, it will be better than in the beginning. It's the same with people, which brings to the second line where there are no cuts. The first is the results. The second is difficult people. I read like a recent study, one in three people are difficult. You know what that means? If you look to your right and you look to your left, there's a good chance in your row one of you is difficult. If you look to your right and you're like, actually, I know that person, they're not. And you look to your left and you're like, they're not either. It might be you. But all of us can be difficult in our own way. And patience with results is hard. Patience with people is hard as well. But if you want blessing in your life, you cannot be short and impatient with people. You can't actually live a life that God wants if you're not patient. Doesn't mean you're perfect. Doesn't mean you don't blow it. Doesn't mean you miss the boat. We all do. But patience is one of the things that God wants to grow in you specifically as you relate to difficult people. We live in a time, though, where difficult people, we want to just discard. Actually, difficult people God could use to help us grow personally. Oftentimes with difficult people, we think it's about them. God looks at the difficult person and says, oh, good, there's some things I can grow in you now. Speaking of results, there's some things that over time, as you hang in there with that difficult person, I'm going to do a work in you. And that takes patience as well. I want to just kind of go over some Proverbs which speak to these. Proverbs 15, 18. See if you've experienced this. A hot-tempered person stirs up conflict, but the one who is patient calms a quarrel. So in marriage, you ever had, a, you know, your spouse that gets a little kind of amped and angry, frustrated? What happens if you match their level and maybe just up at a notch? Does that usually help? Hypothetically, <laughs> no. That's like taking fuel and throwing it on the fire and just being like, whoa, that exploded. We've all been there. But there's something about us when we hear somebody else getting loud. It's like, well, I see yours and I raise you one. And all of a sudden, there is no relating anymore. But notice, the one who is patient calms a quarrel. If you're patient in your response to somebody who's getting all amped up and frustrated and angry. It's, it's like you're, you're putting the lid on the fire. It actually is calming it down. 
that comes through patience, not by one-upping, not by talking. It's actually just bearing with that person. Now, there's difficult people that are irritating. They may not damage us, but they're, they're just irritating. Proverbs 19.11 says this, a person's wisdom yields patience. It is to one's glory to overlook an offense. Anyone ever offended you? What do you do when somebody says something to you that offends you? You know what I do? Can't wait to unleash my offense right back on you. Right? Somebody does something to us, we now need to retaliate. Isn't that the way? We just let people have it. We want to give people a piece of our mind. We want people to know they're in the wrong and I'm in the right. One of my favorite phrases, I, I just need to vent. Not a lot of great things happen when we vent. It's kind of like just the, the door of our mouth opens and a bunch of stuff flies out. And so what the proverb is saying is, is like, actually, it's to your glory. Life will go better. Light will shine brighter on you if you overlook an offense. And patience in that is, is I'm not going to actually call you on that in that moment. I'm going to let that go. I'm just going to let that fly over. I'm not going to grab it. I'm not going to dwell on it. I'm not going to explode on it. I'm just going to let that go. That doesn't that. That's got to be wisdom's way. That's so counterintuitive. But that's what patience brings. Proverbs 16.32 says this, Better a patient person than a warrior, one with self-control, than one who takes a city. Now here we're starting to get into warfare. There's actually people that we need to be patient with who are difficult because they irritate us. But then there's people that actually we have to be patient with. with there's times where they want to go at war with us. Well, they, they actually want to come against us. Well, we still actually can be patient with them. And what this is talking about here is that there's actually a way that you can be patient and have self-control and put boundaries in a relationship. So part of patience is I'm going to put boundaries up in the relationship so we can actually have something that will last. Without boundaries, you let somebody just treat you terribly and you don't put boundaries up, what happens inside of you, you begin to get irritated, you begin to get resentful, you begin to get bitter, and then over the course of time, you no longer want to even see or relate to that person. That's what anger does. That's the opposite of patience. And so there's a part where people are coming against you where there's a patience and a self-control. In ancient times, you had two things in warfare, the warrior and the fortified city. Well, self-control is that wall of the fortified city where patient, I'm not going to attack you, but I am going to put some boundaries in place. And so when we're talking about patience, it's not just that we let people walk over us like a doormat, but it does mean that we put some boundaries because we actually care about the person. And if you're in a place where somebody is abusing you and damaging you, then that's the time that you get out of the difficult people line with that person. That's where it crosses the boundary. But oftentimes, the irritating, the people coming against us, there's some ways that we can really hang in there 
as we put boundaries in place, and as we choose patience. Proverbs 25, 28 says this, like a city whose walls are broken through is a person who lacks self-control. If you don't have patience with people, conflict begins to stir up, and then you just become just this riot of fighting and conflict. You know what, guys? That's actually the norm for most people. And this is why wisdom is crying out. Wisdom calls out. And it's this thing of like, are you tired of the fighting? Are you tired of the frustration? Are you tired of the anger? And if the answer is yes, then, then, it's, then come to this way of wisdom. Through the fear of the Lord and the trust of the Lord. Through humility, through teachability, and ultimately through patience. And so you need patience with results. You need patience with difficult people. The the third line is this. You need patience and there's no cuts in the wisdom line. And wisdom has been the theme of this whole series. And God's ways, because he has designed life and reality, God's ways are best and they're actually the shortest. Now, they don't look the shortest. Sometimes they look like they're not going to get us to where we want to be. And that may be true because maybe the destination that we want is going to lead to our destruction. So it doesn't mean that it's going to match what you want, but it actually will get you to where you need to be. That's what wisdom is. But wisdom is something, just like everything we've talked about, you cannot just get because you want it. You actually have to go on this treasure hunt and this search and this dig and this process where you are going to work as much as you can to get wisdom into your life. In Proverbs 8, uh, wisdom is presented as this woman calling out, inviting people to listen. In fact, so much in Proverbs, wisdom is personified as a woman. Guys, take that for what you want. But listen to this, Proverbs eight thirty four. Blessed are those who listen to me watching daily at my doors, waiting at my doorway. So blessed are those who listen, watching daily at my doors, waiting at my doorway. Now, watching daily at my doors is just this, this thing. It's not just this one time. Wisdom doesn't have you just want it one time. Wisdom comes after you go on this search. And you get wisdom in your life by getting into God's word. And so, so much of this series is how do we see life God's way? Well, if you want to see life God's way, you have to be willing to look at the scripture as something that can guide your life. And the only way that it will guide your life is if you get into it and read it and ask yourself the question, does this way present a way different than what I usually think or a pattern or a tendency or an approach? And am I willing to go that path instead of my own? Now, ultimately, when you make that choice, It's very difficult because, again, we are so ingrained with our own patterns and our habits. And this is why you have to decide to follow Jesus ultimately for wisdom to get into your life because you need his power. And you have to be willing to surrender your way to his because the wisdom path is one path towards God through Jesus. And that's how it gets into your life. So the question is, for, for how long do you wait? How long do you wait? Well, you wait 
and then you get some wisdom. And then life hits you, and you have some different things you've got to figure out, some problems, some conflicts, some decisions, and you need more wisdom. And then you ask God for help. Now, wisdom in the original language is actually speaking like a skilled artisan, like the the, the translation is, is not just this, you get knowledge, but you, you, you get wisdom like a skilled artisan that, that does woodworking, and they whittle it a little at a time, and they're creating something that has so many nuances and edges, and it's actually something beautiful. That's how wisdom is. It's not an immediate, I can get it in a classroom. Wisdom is learned in life, and you learn it in life as you put God's ways into practice. So that's why here on a Sunday, we're always looking at how do I put what we've been talking about into my life? What's the next step that I can take? And then as you take that next step, you see God come through. And then you see how your own battle and your own will did with that and how you blew it and then how you found some success in moving forward. And then, and then you have another area that God puts his finger on, you know, maybe in your, you're relating to this person or maybe in the way that you handle your finances. And again and again, you get in the word of God, you realize it's practical and you begin to apply it. And as you begin to apply it, you're, you're creating something. And this is wisdom getting into your life. And it's a process that happens over time. And so I want to encourage you, if you're exploring Christianity and you're not sure, one of the best things you can do is to, to continue hanging around asking questions And just ask God to show you, is there something that I'm missing that I can't create? And I want to create it, but I can't. And what God does is he he begins to show you, like, my way, this is is the way of life. And if you are a Christ follower, I want to encourage you, you cannot drift far from his guidance. And his guidance comes through his word. And you have to take time in his word, and then you have to apply it. What we want to be is we want to be a people that don't just take concepts and fill ourselves with knowledge, but we want to be a people that take what the Bible says and put it into practice. This is like yesterday we had the gaining spiritual strength, and we talked about how we actually spend time in the Bible, learning. And this is why we do marriage workshops, because we want to spend time looking at what the Bible says so we can put it into practice. So again and again, there's always this emphasis. Wisdom comes from applying it, getting into our life, and we add substance because God is changing us from the inside out. And so I want to encourage you, this last life hack is patience. We can't shortcut results. We can't blow off difficult people. And we can't manufacture the life God wants. It's going to take time as wisdom gets in. But I want to encourage you, start with the Word of God and begin to get to know it. And in the beginning of the series, we did this wisdom Bible plan. How many of you did started that? I won't say how many of you finished it, because we start, we stop, and it was a long one. But if you didn't start, or if you started and you've stopped, I want to encourage you, if, if you'd like that plan, we'll send it to you. You could just write wisdom Bible plan, and it's just got daily readings on wisdom. And that's a great way to just begin to read Look at the different picture it presents and begin to think, well, how, how could I begin to get that into my life? And so you may want that as, as a next step. And so speaking of next steps, as I wrap up, go ahead and pull out your connection card. 
uh, that Pablo had you fill out. Finish filling that out if you haven't yet. And we just do this every week because it's the greatest way that we can kind of say, okay, where am I and, and where do I need to go? And so uh, the first next step is what I've mentioned, just the start or continue the wisdom Bible plan. If you've gotten behind, don't give up, keep going. Uh, the second next step is to actually memorize scripture. There's a picture of the plan. Uh, you want to memorize Ecclesiastes 7, 8. That's the, the end is greater than the beginning. And just memorize that as a perspective. Okay, this, this is a process. It's going to take time. I need to have patience. And then the third next step is to attend the next series and invite someone. And that blank is just for the person you can invite. So speaking of kind of the word of God, every week we, we look at that. Uh, but the next series is called Lives and Letters. And we're going to be looking at letters in the New Testament that were written to churches as a group of Christians were trying to figure out how do they live a life that God wants them to in the situation they were in. Now, our job in the present day is to look at those principles and look at the Bible and see, well, how do we actually bridge all that they were told to us? And so we're going to look at how to bridge the context of what was happening in those letters to ourselves. And there's going to be lots of insights. And over several weeks, we're going to be looking at these different letters and pulling out things that we can apply. So I encourage you to come back next week. For the kickoff of every series, we also have donuts. Right? Okay. We're excited about that. And then last but not least... um, We gave these out at the beginning of the series, these carabiners, and on it has life hacks and then Proverbs 3, 5 through 6. If you didn't get one of these, we have one for you on the back table. Uh, So please feel free to grab one of these. And on it is that reference, like I said, Proverbs 3, 5 through 6, and it's up here. Uh, It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. Again, there's this trust that we need to do. We need to trust God and we need to acknowledge him. And then the patience is, he will straighten my path. We don't know when that will happen, but that's the promise. And it will take patience as we trust him, as we fear him, as we're teachable, and as we're we're humble. So I'm just going to pray this back to God as the band comes up and as we will sing back a song with our offering. Let's pray. God, we we do ask that you will grow our trust in you, that we will trust you for every aspect of our life, and just show us the areas in our life where we're trusting in ourselves or others or our circumstances more than you. God, we want to lean not on our own insight, our own experience, our own understanding. Uh, We want to lean on you and the truth of your word and how you guide us. We invite you into our lives. Uh, We acknowledge you want to lead us and direct us. And God, if there's anyone here that, that has just never acknowledged you to the point where they're willing to follow you, I pray that you will stir in their heart that desire and they'll decide to surrender and hand their life over to you. God, in patience, we trust that as we do these things, that you will straighten our paths and you will lead us forward. We ask through this process that our patience will grow and we'll see you come through in our lives here and now. In the name of Jesus, we pray.
Amen.